So um, I'm just going to read you an update that Miss Bonnie sent me here quick. Um, she didn't fall in the parking lot. She said, except on the threshold at the restaurant. And so I'll just be praying for her as well. I completely forgot to add that to the notes because it was something that just uh, I got updated on recently, so I forgot to put it in the, the, the prayer request. So just be with her as, as well. And I talked with her, um, her son-in-law today. That he called the church and we talked for a bit. And so um, really nice man. Just talked with them and, uh, about what needs to be going on forward. But just be for her. Be praying for her as, as she moves on. All right, we have come to the part of the evening where we start my first mini-series, and I'm excited. I'm not sure if you guys are as excited as I am for this, but on my first little mini-series, I decided to do a study on prayer. I thought it was somewhat fitting that I would do this, seeing as how Wednesday night is kind of our, our prayer meetings in a sense. You know, Wednesday night Bible study, Wednesday night prayer meeting. It goes by different names from, from time to time. But when I was thinking through what would be a good series to go through, uh, the Lord put this on my heart as the topic of prayer. And I feel like it's something that, as as a lot of things happen in our life, we sometimes forget about the real, what prayer really is and how it really affects our every day-to-day life, how our communication with God. And we're going to be looking at a bunch of things throughout these two weeks, but specifically we'll, we'll step right into it here is go ahead and turn, uh, if you have your Bibles before we get too far, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 6 is where we'll be tonight. I'll have the verses up there for you. It's also good just to follow along in your Bible. So Matthew chapter 6 is where we will be. And this is kind of the core passage of where we're all going to be starting. But we'll jump around here and there in, in the weeks to follow as well as we do. This isn't really a, a study on a certain passage, but more of an entire topic. So we'll be jumping around a lot, but all still focusing on the topic of prayer. So Matthew chapter 6, we're going to be reading verses 5 through 8. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8. And just as a bit of context right now, Jesus is actually preaching on the mount. So this is part of the Sermon on the Mount. If you look back in chapter, the beginning of chapter 5, you can see that this is where it first starts. He starts off with the Beatitudes and he follows on. And this is still part of the Sermon on the Mount. So he's preaching right here. We'll start at verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Here we go. And when thou prayest... Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as as the heathen do, For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. And that's where we'll move on for our topic for today. So the first thing that I want to start is the very first, you know, the very first category is what is prayer? The very first overarching kind of section we're going to be talking about is what is prayer? We have to figure out first what prayer is before we can start building upon prayer that the foundation right now, we can start looking at, you know, why should we pray and what should we pray for and how should we pray? You know, the disciples disciples will always say, Lord, teach us to pray. But first we got to understand what prayer is. And God really, uh, Jesus really points out to us exactly what we should be doing in our prayer. But the first thing we got to figure out is that what prayer really is. And the first thing that prayer really is, is it's just communication with God. 
Prayer is simply just communication with God. And sometimes, like I said, this whole study is something that we need to look at. It's something that we take for granted. I'm not sure how many of you guys just came here tonight and say, oh, it's Wednesday night prayer meeting. We'll go over prayer requests. We'll do our praises, and we'll just move right into 1 Thessalonians or 2 Thessalonians or wherever you guys are. But really understanding the, that God, the creator of the universe, this all-powerful being that we look to for our salvation and for everything in our day-to-day lives, that we get to have communication with him. It's, it's, it's almost surreal. I talked about this a couple, a couple weeks ago, but sometimes we always feel like we have to seek the, the smartest man in the world. Who is the strongest and the smartest and who, who knows all the secrets of the universe that knows you know, how, mu- how far the, the sun is from the earth and why exactly we have gravity and why we do all these things and we're thinking, man, the guy is so smart. And if I can only have a five-minute conversation with him, how cool would that be? But you've got to realize that God is so much infinitely wiser, infinitely more powerful than any of these people on earth. But we don't go to him for anything sometimes. We just try to do things in our own strength. But really realizing that prayer is just simply communication with God. And some people will think that you always have to start your prayers with, you know, uh, like our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And they, they go through this whole vain repetition. Well, I don't want to jump ahead, but, you know, we, we can see that in a couple verses. But prayer is just simply communication with God, really realizing that God is so much smarter, so much wiser. He can do everything that, he, he can do everything, he can do anything. And all I got to do is just go to him in secret and talk with him. Just realizing the communication, the connection that we have with God as Christians is something that we should never take for granted. And it's something that we sometimes skip right over. But really realizing what kind of connection we have with Christ is, is so profound. So that's the first thing, is realizing that we have communication with God, that prayer is just simply communication with God. Let's look at the next thing. Prayer is not to be self-righteous. Now you might think that, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not self-righteous in my prayer. Well, let's go ahead and read verse 5 again. Read verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Looking at this verse, we can see that Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. I know I talked about that in my last sermon about uh, what, it's, what the Pharisees were doing, but these people would always be so flamboyant, so out and just say, oh Lord, please forgive me, or I just, just, I just don't want to be like this person. And they, they would go out and they would cry and they would be, everything was to be looked upon them. They were the ones that wanted to be seen. They were the ones that wanted to do all these things. And we can see that their things were just so self-righteous. Everything was just focused on them. And you may think that, I'm normally not like that whenever I pray. And, you know, I, I can tell you that the same thing is with me sometimes. But I want to give you an illustration that happened to me. This was back in college. And sometimes you don't feel like your prayer can be really self-righteous or it's not always focused on you. But have you ever been praying in, in a group setting? Have you ever been praying with, with a friend or with someone else? And they say amen during your prayer. So you're, you're sitting there, you're saying like, Lord, just, we, we pray for our politicians, we pray for our troops, and you know, someone's like, amen, amen, that's, that's good, that's good. And you think, man, I said something good. He just, he just amen my prayer. Isn't that cool? And, and that happened to me once at college. They said, uh, this was in, during like a, like a preacher board conference that we had, and they said, can we have a, a couple guys come up to, to, and, and pray? And so I volunteered to, to go up and pray. And this is what a lot of decisions were being made about, you know, going into ministry and keeping your heart pure and, and, and tons of other things. And we had a guest speaker there. And I said, you know, Lord, we just pray for all these decisions, all these men who, whose lives are going to be changed. 
He said, amen, amen. I'm like, oh, I, I must have said something good because he, he's amen, amen. And I get a little bit louder. I just, I just pray for all these men as they go into ministry and they give their lives to God. I said, amen. And you can kind of see that it's sometimes you feel good when you're praying in a, in a group setting. And this is where I feel like it really, it really hits home. Is that sometimes when we're praying in groups and someone says something, you think, wow, this is, this is all about me. Like, I did something good. But we've got to realize, first things first, right? Prayer is communication with God. It should never be about us. It's simply communication with God. So even when we are talking in a group setting, whenever we're doing all these things, prayer is never to be self-righteous. So looking out from there, we can see the first thing is prayer is simply communication. Prayer is not to be self-righteous. What's the next verse talk about? Prayer is to be private. Prayer is to be private. Look at verse 6. We'll read it here. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. We can see prayer is to be private. You may say, like, well, I mean, we're, we're here at Wednesday night prayer meeting. Shouldn't prayer, like, be public? Shouldn't we be able to pray in public settings? And we understand that, yes, but that's not exactly what Christ is talking about right now. You can see in the verse before that, he's saying that prayer is not to be outward and self-righteous and public. You're not supposed to do all these things, but you're supposed to have a private conversation with God. We can see that you don't have to verbalize your prayers, right? You can simply talk to the Lord, and he, he knows your thoughts, right? But prayer is simply communication, but it should always be private when you're talking about private matters. The things that the Pharisees would do, they would go into these streets and they would yell out and they, all these things that they're going through in their lives and how the Lord could help them and how they're looking to them, we can realize that it really became a show. It really became a show that everyone was trying to, you know, they're trying to up the next person, they're trying to do this, they're trying to do that. We realize that prayer is supposed to be secret because look at the last part of it right here. We'll start. Thy Father which is in secret and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. Because as we saw in the last verse, I'll just read it right here, uh, in the, the last of verse 5 that says that they have their reward. Talking about the Pharisees when they were preaching, when they were praying, they were, they were going out and they were doing all these things and everyone was looking at them and they are thinking, man, those, are, those guys are so religious. They're so amazing. People looking at them, that's their reward. Their public recognition was their reward. But we can see that the reward of one who goes and prays in private and prays to God in, in their own humble spirit can see that the Lord will reward thee openly. He doesn't have to reward them, you know, in, in a public fashion, but he does it because he, he, he loves his followers. He loves the people who go and he'll talk with him and will do all these things with him. So we can see that prayer is just simply communication with God. It's not to be self-righteous. It's to be private. And the next thing we're looking at, prayer is not just saying words. And this is something that we kind of get into a repetition of. We all have kind of ways of, of starting prayer. You know, I always, I always like to start my prayers like, Dear Heavenly Father. I, that's, that's just how I am, you know. And some people might say, you know, you always teach your kids, like, all right, let's pray. You go, Dear Jesus, thank you for, like, we always, we always have, like, these kind of words that we start off with, or, you know, we, these kind of words that we always say, or just kind of following into these things. But we can really see that there are a lot of groups of people, not specifically Christians, but other religions and other people that we can look at, we can see that they go through all of these vain repetitions. They do all these things, and they, they feel like they're accomplishing something. And we'll see that later on in a couple of verses. But let's read verses 7 and 8 again. We'll see this again. Verses 7 and 8 says, But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things they, ye have need of before ye ask him. We can see that we are to be meaningful in our prayers. 
We need, to, we need to ask as if something is going to happen. Just saying words and not having any meaning behind them is just, a, a, just asking in vain. If you, if you go and you ask someone, you don't put any effort into it, be like, can you, can you help me with something this weekend? Can you, can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? And you're not putting any effort into it. It's like, it's like you don't even care. Like you're going to ask them. You kind of know that they're going to say no sometimes. You kind of get that. Like maybe if someone like, wanted to pick up your shift and you already know that they're doing something that day, you'd be like, well, I have to ask them because my manager asked me to, they told me I have to ask them. So you go and be like, oh, can, can you do this for me? And you already know that they're going to say no. So you're just like, oh, it's whatever. But sometimes we just go in and we just go through mundane life and we're not even really understanding the words that we're saying. Sometimes we're not realizing who we're actually talking to. We're talking to God, the creator of the universe, the one who's almighty and infinite and knows everything. Shouldn't we actually try to render him praise and honor and glory that he deserves? It should be the things that we bring forth to him that we actually care about, the things that we actually want to see answered and to hear from him. And sometimes we always feel like our prayers aren't being heard or aren't being answered. Maybe it's just because we're not asking in the right way. And we'll, we'll come to that later on. I don't want to jump too far ahead. This is like an overarching study on the whole topic of prayer. right? But going and just saying words, just saying, you know, this is what I want, this is what's going to happen, and not even thinking too much about it. You know, we pray for healing, we pray for our, our needs to be met, but do we actually mean it? We're just using vain words. Like I said, a lot of people like to take words or, or phrases or other things that people have said throughout history. The the biggest thing that I can always think of is the Lord's Prayer. You know, everyone always starts a certain prayer with, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And they, and they say the entire verse, and they think that they're doing something because that's the, that's the model prayer is what they say. It's, it's the Lord, it's the prayer that Jesus said, when you pray, say, say this. And they think that they're doing something, but all they're saying is just saying the words. There's no meaning behind it. So I want you to think about when you're praying. It's just communication with God, right? So I want you to say things. I want you to mean them. I don't want you to just ask, you know, for healing because that's what we're supposed to do as Christians. I don't want you to say, oh, like this person needs, you know, financial stability or this person needs this or this person needs that and so, oh, we should pray for them. So, dear Jesus, just please help them as they go through the life. Amen. And we just don't even think twice about it. Right? So I, want, I want you to consciously think about what prayer is in, in the beginning stages of this series. What prayer really is and what it means to you. So we can see as we're going through this again, communication with God it's not to be self-righteous, it's to be private, and it's just not saying words. And the last thing that I want to talk about, and really the, the main thing that I'm really looking forward to do this, is that prayer does not take away, or excuse me, prayer does not scapegoat for our consequences. That's the way I put it. Prayer is not a scapegoat for our consequences. Turn to 2 Samuel. Turn to 2 Samuel, and we'll kind of jump around here, but this is the, the, last, the last one that I want to look at tonight. 2 Samuel chapter 12 is where we will be. 2 Samuel chapter 12. And what we're going to do is I want to look at the story of David and Bathsheba. Now, uh, Pastor actually talked about this in his sermon on Sunday, talking about uh, modesty. But 2 Samuel chapter 12 is where we'll be. And when we think of the story of David and Bathsheba, we always kind of stop at the end of when David commits the crime of killing Uriah. And that's kind of where we almost always stop the story and we let it go off from there. But I want you to look at the aftermath of what happened. I want you to look at the aftermath. And let me just give you a, a, a crash course quick if you, if you haven't caught up, right? 
David has committed this, this sin with Bathsheba, right? And they've created this child. And this child is about to be born. And the prophet Nathan comes to David and tells him his fault because the Lord came to him and told him, said, hey, David has sinned. You need to go confront his sin, right? And so Nathan comes up to him and he says that. He, he gives him a little story, right? But then he, he ultimately tells David that he has sinned. And let's pick up here and we'll see the consequences of, of David's actions in 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12, and we'll look at verse 13, and I'll read all the way through verse 19. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Well, that's good. David won't die. How be it, by, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. We'll stop right there. The Lord has commanded that the son that David and Bathsheba are going to bear will die. And that's what Christ has said. However, we will look upon the following verses and we'll see what David does, right? So continuing on, uh, verse 15. And Nathan departed unto his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. David therefore besought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of his house arose and went to him to raise him up from the earth, but he would not, neither did he eat bread with them. Verse 18. And it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died. And the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead. For they said, Behold, while the child was yet alive, we spake unto him, and he would not hearken unto our voice. How will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead? But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto his servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. This is a very, very tragic story, one that I don't take any pleasure of, of telling, but I think it's very important to see the consequences of our actions. Just because we go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness in our prayer does not take away the consequences of our sin. We can see that there was a very drastic consequence for what David had done right? You, if you count up all the sins that he did, right? He didn't, the first sin was he didn't go out to war. That was the very first thing. David shouldn't even have to have been in the palace. He should have been out to war as kings were, right? That's the first sin. He disobeyed that. Second, he looked. He lusted. He, he committed. Killed Uriah. Tried to cover it up. You can, you can just see all the sins they're committing. And the ultimate price for it was that God was going to take away the child. You may think, oh, that's just, that's just a harsh, that's a harsh punishment. That's such a harsh punishment. Right? But we're not, we're not going to be looking at the punishment of the sin specifically. We're going to see that even, David, even though David sought after the Lord, he begged the Lord for this child. You can see seven days, he fasted, he prayed, he stayed up all night, he begged for this child's life. It did not take away the consequences of our sin. And some people think that as we go through life, there's, there's this thing called... Um, you know, Christian liberty, that we can kind of do whatever we want and just ask for forgiveness, and, you know, God covers all our sins. You know, the classic example is that, oh, since I'm a Christian now, I can still do all these things and just ask God for forgiveness, and it's still okay, and I can, I can still go out and do all these things and, you know, do the drugs and do the parties and, and do all this stuff, and, oh, I'll just ask the Lord for forgiveness. The Lord is always ready to forgive. Don't get me wrong. The Lord is always ready to forgive our sins. He's not always going to take away our consequences. There is always consequences to our actions. And I always like to say, you, you've heard me say it tons of times, is that you'll never regret following after the things of God. You'll never regret it. But there are times when we don't. There are times when we don't. And I, all of us, even me, are, are susceptible to follow after what we want to do. 
we can see that our prayer does not take away our consequences. And it's something that we should always be conscious of just because, just because we have this communication with God doesn't mean that we can do whatever we want, go wherever we want, do whatever we want to do. There are still consequences to our actions. And like I said, God is always willing to forgive us. He's always willing for us to come back and to continue on the straight and narrow with him. But he's not going to always lift up these consequences. And this story right here is a really, really great example. So as you look through all of these points, prayer is simply communication with God. It's not to be self-righteous. It's to be private. It's not just saying words. And it does not escape for our consequences. It does not take away our consequences. I want you to think, going throughout this week, about your prayer life. And this is where we'll, we'll end for tonight as I, as I kind of wrap this up. I want you to think about how your personal prayer life is. How often do you talk with God? And I don't, I don't want you to say, you know, for every meal or before you go to bed or, or with your kids every night. Like I said, prayer is simply communication with God. How often do you seek the counsel of God? How often do you ask him to do things for you in your life? I want you to think this week, I, I think it's very important for us to, to keep track, either mentally if you want to, but even, even writing it down through your entire week, how often you communicate with God. How important is your prayer life with Christ? Because sometimes that's something that kind of that slips. It's the same with our devotions, right? There's a time in the day where we set to, to seek after God, and once we stop seeking after God, then we start going amiss, right? So how often do you have conscious conversations with Christ? How often do you seek after the things of him? Because as we can see, the moment that we go and start doing our own things, we go way off track. And it doesn't take away our consequences, right? We can see that there are always consequences to follow afterwards. But as you go through this week, as you have your personal devotions, as you have this personal prayer life with Christ, I want you to really think about what you're going to be doing this week, where you're going to go, what you're going to be doing, and how does that relate to your conversations with God, that communication that you have with God, that prayer life that you should always be having with Christ. As we go on through these, through these next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at how are we supposed to pray, you can see that, you know, it's, it's simple just to have communication with God, but sometimes you want to delve in deeper. Like, what should we pray for? What is acceptable to ask for God? I was trying to, to whet your appetite for the next uh, week to follow to see exactly what we're going to be talking about. But I want you guys to consciously think about this. Your communication with God. What are you asking for God? As you go in this week, I really hope that you'll take a careful consideration for your prayer life. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we just thank you so much for the gift of prayer that you've given us. We just thank you so much for uh, your, your son who's given us the free gift of salvation that we can freely accept. We just pray that as we go from this place that we will consciously think about what there is to do throughout our, our personal life and how we can relate that to talking with you and to seeking your counsel, Lord. Lord, because whenever we do our stuff in our own strength, we always seem to fail, Lord. But whenever we follow things after you, it'll always turn out all right. We just thank you so much for this guiding hand that you've given us. Just dismiss us in, with, your, with your blessing. Just give us a safe trip on the way home. And just dismiss us with your blessing, Lord. Amen. we pray. Amen.